Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. A number of years ago, I had the pleasure of having six years, not pleasure because I love teaching, but I did have six years out of education and was working in international mission and development and uh, the Pacific was one of the parts of the world where I had quite a bit of connection. Um, And prior to that, this man sitting here is largely responsible for my connections with Tonga because uh, when Bob was principal at Wycliffe, we started a relationship with Tafahapila Liver College in Tonga. And uh, that sort of started my connection with that part of the world. Um, And uh, as I was working with Uniting World and doing some work in the Pacific and other parts of the world, I was working specifically on projects with the Free Wesleyan Church of Tonga. So when the church there decided they wanted to start a program in raising the education standards of of the schools that they ran in in Tonga, which is about 80% of the secondary students in Tonga go to Free Wesleyan Church schools, Um, they sent me, this is how Tonga works, they sent me a proposal for me to critique. (laughs) And by the end of reading it, I wanted to go. (laughs) Um, Which was the plan from the beginning. Any rate, um, I could talk to you and I may mention some other places um, like Kiribati and PNG and uh, some of the other um, Micronesian countries particularly, but... um, I want to focus on Tonga tonight because that's the one I feel I can honour the the most because it's the one that I know the best. Um, Tonga's an archipelago of islands, about 140 or more islands. They keep popping up and going down, so you never know from one day to the next how many islands there are in the archipelago. Um, It's southeast um, of Australia, about five hours if you fly. Um, And there's three main island groups, and uh, in those, uh, it's a Polynesian country. How many people have been to Tonga? Because I look around and I know, look at it, see? Isn't this amazing? I should, if I'd have known you guys were coming, I'd have made you boys dress up. <laughs> um, uh, it's a Polynesian country. The Pacific has three large people groups. There's the Polynesians, that's uh, Tonga, Samoa, uh, Tahiti, Easter Island, places like that. Then you've got Melanesia, they're your Fijian, Vanuatu, Nivan people, Solomon Islanders. Um, I've probably missed somebody that I should in Bougainville, you know. Um, and also uh, then you've got, of course, your Melanesian people in Papua New Guinea and, uh, oh, sorry, Micronesian people in Kiribati, Nauru, um, Marshall Islands, some of those areas. So they're quite different um, and the way they see the world is quite different, but there's some deep, deep things in the Pacific that are entrenched across all of them and they're the things that I'm going to focus on tonight. Um, please forgive me, I'm not doing a biblical exegesis. <laughs> um, I'm actually using a theme which is adopted in love. And uh, you'll see why hopefully as we go. And so the passages that we had read so well before seem to tell, tell us something about whose we are and why we exist. You see, I'm family. I'm a child of God alongside a multitude of children of God that God calls out to. And together, we're adopted in love. 
Nothing excites me more than seeing this come to life, real life, seeing the connections between people whose understanding of the world looks really different. Yet somehow, somewhere, we can still find that small thread that unites us as his children and superimposes over all our cultural challenges and differences. Do you know what I mean? I, look, I'm, I'm looking at people all around the room who've spent way more time than I have in other places serving God. And you, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I no longer see the stranger next door, but a co-heir in Christ. What a difference this makes to who I am, what I do, and how I understand the world. I see myself intrinsically linked to those around me, not as an autonomous, self-focused being. How countercultural that is for us in the West in 2022. I want to take you on a journey tonight into Angafakatonga. Can I please apologise and explain? The F-A-K-A means to be or to make or to exist in Tonga. And as we do things tonight, you're going to hear me say things like Angafakatonga. And that's what it means, okay? So once we get over the awkwardness of it, it's actually quite a rich term. I hope this is an opportunity for us tonight to step into the shoes of, some, of a culture that shares our faith deeply but expresses it completely differently and comes from a very different worldview perspective. So as we hear stories and catch a glimpse of what we can learn from our co-heirs in Christ in Tonga, I hope we'll have enough time, if I can race through, um, to stop for a minute every now and then and just reflect on what God might be teaching us through what we're, we're hearing. And we'll try and do that interactively. Um, and I don't know where I put this. I've got to turn it on, somebody said. There we go. There's a few questions I'd like us to be thinking about as we go through this tonight. What am I noticing in what I'm hearing? Don't stress about them. <laughs> what questions does it make me ask of myself? What might God be reminding me through this? And how might I respond? Even if you just remember one of those, that's fine. What I'd like to do is to introduce you to two Polynesian concepts, two Tongan concepts. Um, that are deeply, deeply how Tongan people see the world. They just see it that way, the same way we see, see the world through our own lens. They wouldn't even be able to articulate it unless you ask them. And then we're going to have a look at what the four national values are of Tonga. They have four values that's for the country. And uh, you'll see something of the heart of the people. I'm just going to go back a slide if it'll let me go back. As it probably doesn't let me go back, does it? Yeah, that's the coat of arms of Tonga. What do you notice about it? It's got a cross on it. Where's the cross? Right in the middle. Tonga is a Christian country. 99% of the people identify as Christian. That in itself is mind-blowingly different to who we are and where we are. What else do you notice? There's the crown. Tonga is a constitutional monarchy. It was an absolute monarchy until about 2010 where um, they became a constitutional monarchy. What else do we see? The dove, the, dove, the spirit of God. Um, the motto that you see on it, is God and Tonga are my inheritance. That's the motto of the country, oh, to live in a country <laughs> where that reigns true, and it does largely, with complexity, can I say. 
The first concept I wanted to talk to you about is kainga. The first time I stepped foot in Tonga was with Bob here, Lopeti, in 1999 on a small remote island, no more than a metre above sea level, inhabited by about 1,500 people, I think, at the time, staying in the home of the local single deputy principal, Catalina, who is the lady in the brown floral shirt. And I found myself thoroughly confused about the people living in her home. Firstly, they were different people on any given day. <laughs> you wake up for breakfast and you didn't know who was going to be there. Catalina and her housekeeper, Heta, were consistent, but everyone else seemed to be there one day and replaced the next. Curiosity got the better of me and I gave up my desire to be culturally sensitive and started asking questions of the daily inhabitants. How do you know Catalina? Oh, she's my mum, sister, cousin, aunt... Having met three daughters of this single lady, I asked her one day, Catalina, I didn't know you had three children. Oh, no, Kathy, I have many more. So, Lena, has your husband passed away? Oh, no, laughing as if I was a little mad. I have no husband. My daughters are adopted. That began a long, long journey, which I'm still unravelling, into understanding kainga or family in Tonga. Adoption in Tonga is about caring for one another as if they are your own. No mum and dad. Kids don't call their mums and dads mums and dads. They call them by their first name. The meheke Tonga, who's the eldest female in a family, can tell a family who should raise a child. Children are adopted within huge family groupings. They know who their birth parents are, but that isn't a language they use. All familial adults our parents. Lena adopted three children because she has a job and was able to care for them better than their um, birth parents. Their birth parents interacted with them all the time. A woman who was a missionary in Tonga in the uh, post-Second World War period, Patricia Ledyard, wrote this, Tongans, who were so often wiser than Palangi, that's us Westerners, about human relations, don't hedge around about adoption with secrecy but regarded as a joyous device for binding people together. When Tupo became our daughter, she didn't cease to be the daughter of our friends Soko and Falemi, to whom she was born. She simply acquired us as a second set of parents. You see, in Tonga, we're all co-heirs. No one owns anything. It's shared amongst everybody. If you give a gift to somebody in Tonga, they don't open it. They put it aside. And you might have spent weeks choosing something precious for this friend, only to go back two days later and find it's already gone through five different sets of hands and has gone somewhere else. There's no such thing as a will if you die. Everything belongs to your kainga group. Tonga has a huge culture of remittances. In fact, 80% of the economy of Tonga is dependent on remittances or the Chinese government, whichever one you want to have a look at first. Um, remittances from overseas Tongans. They take great delight when a family member gets to go overseas and work, not only because they get the opportunity, but because they can send money back to support the family back in Tonga. And they do. <laughs> and I used to think that would end after the second generation, but you know what? It doesn't. This Kainga thing is really, really deep. And also I've discovered that there's always new second generations. <laughs> Um, of people coming over. In fact, Tonga has a negative um, population growth rate. They lose four people a day out of Tonga. 
um, because people there's there's very little work as much as anything over there or educational opportunity. What does this mean? Tongans have a deep understanding of what it means to be children of God, co-heirs with Christ, adopted in love, because that's how their culture actually works. For us to think of somebody taking our firstborn child and raising them as their own is horrendous. (laughs) You know, it's just outside my concept of what's right and not for raising a family. But there it's celebrated. And so understanding who we are as a family, a, a member of a family of Christ is deeply, deeply known to them. I want us to think about what that means for us. And I thought of things like my place. How, does, how is this an extension for Springwood Presbyterian churches of being co-heirs in Christ, adopted in love? And I wonder if this concept, when we think of kainga in family, challenges our preconceptions of what family is and does in any ways. The nuclear family is very Western construct. It's not to say it's wrong. But I wonder if sometimes that understanding gets in the way of our understanding of a biblical worldview where perhaps it wasn't quite the same structure in the first place. Alongside these two concepts I talked about, one is this concept of kainga or family, and the next one was taught to me by this wonderful, wonderful man. His name's uh, Reverend Filetti Atiola, Ella Filetti Atiola. He's the General Secretary of the Free Wesleyan Church in Tonga. He's also the principal of the largest boys' college in Tonga, Tupo um, Tupo College, 1,500 boarding boys, um, secondary boys, um, and is one of the most humble people I've ever met. Um, I was reminded when I was thinking of Faledi of this uh, verse from Acts chapter 4, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. One day I was uh, representing, I was working in the Uniting Church's international mission work. Um, And uh, it was at the time when the Uniting Church was going through the initial debates in the 19... uh, uh, 2008, 10, um, over um, homosexuality and gender in the church. And the Pacifica community is very conservative and reads the Bible very literally in relation to that. And you would know from many stories that the Uniting Church has a very broad spectrum of approaches. Um, and Folletti uh, said to me, Kathy, tell me, what does the Uniting... I just want to know what the Uniting Church actually believes. And, uh, and I said to him, Folletti, I can't tell you because, uh, for a start, I'm not going to... Trying to explain that, it takes um, somebody in a better position than I was in the church. Um, I said to him, I can't tell you, I can't speak on behalf of the Uniting Church. I can tell you what I believe, but I can't tell you what the church believes. You'd have to go back and talk to the more important people in the church about what they believe. He he laughed and he said to me, Kathy, he said, that's the difference between you and me. For you, eyes singular. For me, eyes plural. He said, when you say I, you mean you, just you. And I said, yeah, I can't speak on behalf of anybody else. He said, well, in Tonga, when we say I, we mean me. 
my family, my church, my village, my ancestors. We talk about plural I. This is deep. I've seen it in other parts of the Pacific as well. And it underpins absolutely everything that happens in the culture. We don't stand in Tonga as an autonomous person. What I do has an impact on everybody else around me and I'm conscious of that in everything that I do. When did we pass this over in the West? Just read you something from, uh, I didn't write the um, author of this book. I really can't remember. Um, I'm sorry, I can give it to you if you want it later. After the Enlightenment started in the late 17th century, European philosophers such as Voltaire in 1694-1778 and Jean-Jacques Rousseau challenged the predominant Judeo-Christian worldview. These Enlightenment philosophers declared that God was either irrelevant or non-existent. Human beings, not God, became the measure of all things. They promoted humanism and the rights of the individual, laying the foundations for an ideology based on individual liberty. It's been coming for a long time. It's not a new thing, is it? At the same time the West was moving towards autonomy, Tonga was becoming a Christian nation, led by the conversion of King George Tupo, Tafahau Tupo I, and found the alignment between the Tongan plural eye and Christianity was like a hand in a glove. The king became a Christian, and guess what? The nation became a Christian, became Christian. Missionaries from the London Missionary Society came in and uh, had a huge influence on Tongan, on, on Tongan culture, but only because the culture was, they, they, the alignment was strong. How is that reflected now in Tonga? Well, Sunday is the Sabbath. Um, you don't work, most of the shops are shut on Sunday. The only times, only people who have businesses open are for tourists who need food or something. Um, you, uh, are not, you go to church, you go home and have lunch together, you go back to church for something else, you come back and have a rest, you go back to church. That's your Sunday. You're not allowed to work, you're not allowed to, uh, as I found out, only too soon. You're not allowed to walk too fast, you're not allowed to talk too loud, you're not allowed to pick a piece of fruit off a tree. Tonga is the Sabbath and it's held that way. And it's by law. Um, why, what else is plural I in Tonga? Well, surnames don't just reflect your family but the village that you come from. Surnames are passed down from previous generations along the father's line of descent. No one's ever alone in Tonga. They tell me no one's homeless or without food because you're always related to someone. The exception is someone like the deportees who break kainga and are ostracised by the community. So deportees are people who've got in trouble with the law in Australia, New Zealand or in America particularly and get set back to Tonga when they're released from prison and their families, they may not ever have actually had any connections with their families in Tonga, they may have been born overseas, but they happen to be on a Tongan passport. Um, and so they get sent back and then the Tongan community doesn't really want to have very much to do with them because they bring back things the Tongans don't like. Um, the church in Tonga is doing some good work in that space as are some social services now. But um, it, it, the majority of people would find themselves with somewhere to stay, something to eat, 
Tongans have a deep, wide kainga. It's an openness and vulnerable trust that gets them into trouble where they recognise anyone as being part of their plural eye. And if you go back not too far in history, you'll find out about the Bogdanovich affair, where a Russian somebody or another um, ripped off the king millions of pa'anga um, in some grand scheme that the, they very, very much were trusting. Christianity opens up kainga for Tongans to broader than just the Tongan world. And so they j love to share with people um, who are part of their Christian kainga. What are some of the dangers of being part of plural I and kainga, a term that um, is used derogatorily to people, is pico pico. Kokoe, pico pico. You're lazy. You know, if everyone else is going to do it for you, then you can just sit around because somebody else will pick it up and do it. That's one of the negatives of this. Naivety and maybe uh, using people sometimes when people... Uh, uh, approaching it from trying to get what they want. What underpins Western culture these days? Carl Truman uh, um, has written this. In a, if our worldview is to allow the individual to be simply himself, unhindered by outward pressure, then the individual is king. It can be ever, he can be whoever he wants to be. And rejecting the notion of any external authority or meaning to which we have to conform... The individual simply makes himself the creator of any message there might be. That is just an anathema to Tongan, Tongan way. It makes no sense. But it's increasingly the culture that we live in. I want to show you an example of this. And those of you who love Taylor Swift, I'm apologising because I'm going to just critique this for a minute. But... Um, there's a song she's got um, that is really catchy. I, I've listened to it a few times. You know, it's one of those earworm ones that gets into your head. Do you know it, anyone? She, this is some lines from it. I promise that you'll never find another like me, girl. There ain't no I in team, but you know there is a me. And you can't spell awesome without me. I promise that you'll never find another like me. E -e 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 yeah. <laughs> Taylor Swift, who, who um, identifies as a Christian... Um, is singing songs that only just come back to what we've just looked at there in the way we view the world. What can we learn from our brothers and sisters in Tonga? What are we noticing in those stories about plural I and kainga? What questions does it make me ask of myself? What might God be reminding me through this? And how might I respond? Just take a couple of minutes to talk to the person next to you. About, it, about one of those questions or about something that we've just talked about. All righty. Only a short time. Sorry, guys. Just wind you up and you stop. Does anyone want to share something you just talked about? Anything that stood out? Anything that made you think? I think, we, I think that's the depth of our worldview, isn't it? Um, that's what we live out. But I think... My, I'd be interested in, I'm sorry, I'm pointing to you guys here because of your experiences. But, you know, did you find that some of how you understood the world changed when you were overseas and, and John as well? Did it, you still came bringing your own worldview, but it got challenged a little bit or tested? Is that what happened? Did it change how you saw the world or how you responded, do you think? Yeah. 
And John, you were up in Eritrea, the same? Others would have the same sort of story. Look, um, we're going to have a look at four Tongan values. This one is, is the first of the Tongan values. It's Faka Apa Apa, which is respect, and Faka Langi Langi, which is honour. Deeply, deeply, deeply part of the culture. I just want to read you a verse from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom in Christ to cover up evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everybody. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. <laughs> you could almost translate that into Tonga. <laughs> it fits so well. I want to read you a story. It's only a quick one. You'll be familiar with it, a lot of you. It was now beginning to rain. By the time we reached the carriages, it was drizzling. After about 15 minutes, the rain fell for perhaps 20 more minutes. It drizzled once more, then there were hours of just heavy rain until the procession towards the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II reached the palace. The kind policemen who were looking after the procession asked the occupants of the carriages if they'd like the hood of the carriage put up, and they all said they would. But when we were asked about our carriage, and fortunately I was the one who was asked, I was so caught up in the warmth of the people and the feelings of grace flooding from my heart from the recent service that I couldn't be bare to be excluded from any part of the day, good or bad. Everything on that day was a treasure. So I told the policeman to leave the hood of our carriage down in honour of the Queen and her people. I didn't think to ask the chief, the Sultan of Kelantan, and he maintained silence with good grace. I apologised to him a few days later and he accepted my apology gladly. That day we were saturated with rain, but we were happy. You see, my Tongan heart was excited and foolish but I'm still thankful that I was soaked with rain on that significant day. I didn't know that my carriage was the only one with the hood. Too busy doing what I thought I should do to respect the Queen. Queen Salote of Tonga. You've heard of the story? Um, respect. Respect and honour is just deep. Tonga's a, a culture that has hierarchy, rank and status in the culture. Um, the, the top of the tree is the king, then there's nobles, and then there's the everyday common, uh, common people. Um, and uh, there's what, the, the, when you meet the royal family, you have to speak a different language, slightly different language to what you would use with everyday um, people. Uh, you um, can't raise your head higher than the king or, um, or the queen. Or, so there's some really wonderful stories. We've got a lovely one of my husband who was asked to go as a, a chap chaplain and pray for the uh, king of Tonga. And he was told he had to go on his knees because the king was on a throne and so he had to keep his head lower than... But it was quite a long way and he got a cramp in the back of his leg and wound up falling over on the floor. Um, so there you go. It's not meant for Palangi, obviously. <laughs> They still laugh about it. They still tell me, remember Peter? <laughs> um, if, if, I was if I was passing in front of somebody, then I would go lower than them and say, too low. If there are two people talking, just too low. I just walk like this, get my head lower. I find myself doing it in the supermarket <laughs> and have to catch myself. It just becomes part of what you do. Um, Tongans show deference by, sh by keeping their head lower. They often won't give you eye contact. That's not because they're being 
um, somebody you can't trust, but you don't look somebody who's higher on rank or status than you in the eye. You keep your eyes averted. Um, you never say no, Heliaki, never ever say no if somebody asks you a direct question. Um, you've got to try and interpret eyebrow language, which in Tonga is pretty formidable. Um, so uh, you, you actually have to ask questions in a way that doesn't require a direct answer or else they're just going to say yes and not mean it and then won't do it and then you, you get cross and it all gets messy. Tongans have a deep, deep sense of respect for authority. It's accepted church. Isn't that interesting? They have deep respect for their Fifakao, which are the ministers. But in church, everybody's equal. The king worships, takes communion in, in, with the people. Um, in church, while the king is still the king, he has no more voice than the rest of the people in the church. Some qu uh, I've got a photo yeah. No. Who do you recognise in that photo? <laughs> While I was working at Tupo College, um, they had the only rainforest on the main island of Tonga and Prince Harry and um, Meghan came just after they were married when she just found out she was pregnant and came to visit the rainforest at Taloa. This is one of the boys in the, the stream that we were doing a pilot program with. And he'd been told by the people who come out previous to, you know, the minders who come out and tell you what to do and what not to do. It's okay, you just shake hand. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to back, keep your head lower than him. You don't have to do anything. So we practised walking around and doing it properly. The minute Harry got there, he got the full Tongan, you know, deep, deep bow. And, you know. <laughs> the, the, it's just what you do. You would never disrespect um, the next one, here's some questions for us. How does our culture respect authority? Do we respect authority? Is that good or bad? Authority is earned, not given in the West largely. In Tonga, it's just intrinsic to the culture. What might be the implications for church in this, or workplaces, or government? Maybe just take a minute or two, and we'll only have a short time, but maybe just take a couple of minutes to talk about that. All right. Again, anything else that anyone want to note? Did we ever have a culture in the West where authority was respected? Maybe not so much here. I remember, you know, my mum and grandparents and, you know, honour the Queen. Yeah, I remember as a child at primary school, you know, what was it? No, um, I salute the flag, I, yeah, all of that. Yeah, honour my God, I serve my Queen, I salute the flag every morning, you know. Uh, um, it's, it's an interesting, you know, and maybe the shift is good for us to be thinking and critiquing authority and, uh, and not just necessarily handing it over. I can tell you there have been a couple of kings of Tonga who haven't been too good that you wouldn't necessarily want to respect. The second value, and we'll skim through these ones, is fevei tokaiaki, which is sharing mutual obligations and cooperation. And it's largely um, seen mainly around the concept of talanoa. Talanoa is a term that's used around the Pacific and it's about telling stories. Um, so the way you actually make decisions, the way you settle arguments, the way you 
work out what the, which way is up is by sitting around the mat, which we've got on our floor here, and telling stories until you get to the point where we're all in agreement. When families or groups or even two people want to solve a disagreement or seek reconciliation, they spread the mat and invite the groups concerned to come and sit on the mat. Sometimes for the men, it's around a carver bowl. This is the time that all the people involved are allowed to participate in, in their discussion, regardless of who they are, where they're from. The purpose is to find a good and positive solution, that concept of cooperation. People are always looking forward to a forfola e fala session. They like it. It's a good thing. It's not something you get dragged to. Because it's an indication of openness, willingness, acceptance, forgiveness, reconciliation. And the host is the one who spreads the mat. Problems are never solved using singular I. They're always solved using plural I. The decision itself is less important than the process of decision making. And it can be slow and tedious. It can drive you crazy. <laughs> I want to give you an example of... Uh, one way this was uh, explained to me, the lady on the front with the glasses, her name is uh, Dr. Ungatea Kata. Ungatea has a doctorate from Oxford um, and is the, uh, currently the principal of Tupo Tertiary Institute, which is a, like a TAFE, um, the only TAFE kind of thing uh, in Tonga. She's telling, we were talking about domestic violence in Tonga, which is actually quite a significant issue right throughout the Pacific. Um, I do think sometimes in Australia and New Zealand we tend to think a little piously that we don't, we've got it all together and that the islands have this terrible domestic violence situation, which they do, but I'm not sure that we're, we have an awful lot to boast about. <laughs> um, the Australian government was coming in and doing a program um, using soft aid where they were training... They were doing training courses, so they'd bring experts in, they'd do a two-week training course with some women usually, and then they'd go and the, and the women would be left to sort of make, make something work. And it had some... I mean, it certainly raised awareness, but in terms of actually making a significant change, Ungatara and I were talking and she was frustrated because she said, oh, you know, it's all good, but, you know, it's never going to make any change in our culture because you're bringing a Western way of doing it into our culture and it doesn't work. And I said to her, well, Teo, what would you do? And she said, well, remember the meheketanga, you know, the eldest woman in the family? She carries higher rank than anybody else, even than the, in a patriarchal culture. She's, the, she's the, the one who calls the shots. And she said, if there was a man who was doing the wrong thing in a family, it's meheketanga's job to go up to him and to tell him in no uncertain terms that he has to stop or he will be banished from the kainga. He'll be banished from the family. She said, but there's ways of that happening. And the trouble is the young Meheketangas don't have the same training that the older ones do. She said, if the Australian government want to train, let's get the Meheketangas together, the young ones. Let the old ones tell them the ways and teach them the, th the ways to do it. And you see, it'll stop <laughs> or it'll get a whole lot lower. Mutual sharing, mutual obligations, cooperation, working with the worldview that's there... I suspect may have a little bit more um, impact. The challenge, of course, is that in a hierarchical culture where the authority is automatically assumed and you have to give fucker upper upper respect to people, 
then if the person who is abusing you is in that place, you have nowhere to go. Um, increasingly, Tonga's talking about this, um, and increasingly the church who's been as much to blame as any other institution in Tonga um, is starting to actually de develop an understanding and um, actually work with the local people um, and have the ministers be talking about it, which is really important. But that's something you could be praying for, um, for Tonga for. I wonder what would happen if we sat on the mat over significant decisions until we found a way forward, even if it took weeks or months. Is there anything we do that's comparable to Talanoa, telling stories, sitting on the mat? The third one is humility and generosity, lototo. Just to embarrass a few people in the room. <laughs> Visitors become family under lototo. Um, outward boasting or displays of wealth is not, are not good, except if you're royal and always in context. Tongans place a high value on humility. You, you always start a speech with self-deprecating comments. You welcome people into your world um, with great generosity. There's so many different ways that this is expressed, not the least of which is during a funeral or in a death situation where people um, understand who has what role simply by what they're wearing um, and everybody in the culture knows how to respond with generosity. So if it's somebody who's a father or a, a meheketanga, then you'd wear these giant mats that almost cover your face, that are shredded, and you wear them for a month sometimes or more, and everybody around you knows what's happened in your family, and everybody around you doesn't walk to the other side of the street because they don't quite know what to say. They know what to say because they know what, what, you are, what you're going through. Humility and generosity, deeply, deeply part of the culture. And the last one is loyalty and commitment, tahi vaha'a. And I'm going to... <laughs> rugby is a good expression of that <laughs> in Tonga. But church life as well. Um, these guys you see on the screen are all Fifakao. They're all ministers of the Free Wesleyan Church in Tonga. Most of them, especially the guy at the back in the middle, Sam Fonua. Um, Sam gets asked regularly to come and do contractual work for the, for the United Nations around the Pacific. Um, these guys, they're, they're educated in uh, you know, doctorates, um, staggeringly uh, capable people who, out of loyalty and sense of plural eye and kainga and all of that, work in the Free Wesleyan Church of Tonga for about 7000 Australian dollars a year. They could be earning 200, 300,000 in businesses around the world. But they have deep, deep loyalty and commitment to the, to the church and to their people. Um, I'm going to leave, wind that up now. I did, I just, last thing I'd like to just really skim over, um, and sometime we might have a conversation about this. Tonga has three genders. Um, you have uh, male, female, and fuck a laity, like a lady. Um, and uh, it's, it's actually seen as just normal. In fact, um, often uh, in, if you're teaching a primary class, you wouldn't know if you've got a faculty in the class or not. 
Um, uh, it gets tricky when they become adults or, or reach puberty. Um, and my understanding, although it's not talked about very often, is that they get to choose whether they stay as a girl or go back to being a boy. Um, most of them would return to their birth gender when they start high school. But some will stay fakalaites and some will become homosexual, even though that's taboo, tapu in the culture. Um, but I, I, to this day, I, my head gets done in with this. Joey Mataeli is um, part of the royal family. She's um, a transgender lady and um, is deeply, deeply respected um, for who she is and what she does. Um, there's been a really interesting uh, documentary that she... Uh, put together um, from America a few years ago. Um, uh, I think it's just called Ladies in Waiting, if you're interested in seeing it. It's worth, um, worth having a look at to help you to understand a little bit about how this works within a very conservative church and society, but it, but it works somehow. And the only other thing I just wanted to show you was, of course, Tonga at the start of last this year, the um, Hunga ha, uh, Hunga, Tonga Hunga Hapai Volcano uh, erupted. Um, this was just unbelievably significant for this island nation. Um, the plumes of smoke went up into 78 kilometres up into the air um, and uh, completely altered. They're now discovering parts of the layers of the atmosphere above um, us. Um, ash was all over um, everywhere. The stories are just horrendous and the, and the country's still recovering. Um, so certainly we need to be praying for our friends in Tonga after that. Um, I'm going to leave, uh, take that off the screen actually because I want to we want to teach you a song from Tonga and then we're going to finish up. Is that okay? Um, that was a quick skim through, sorry guys, but I hope it sort of gives you some things to think about. 